glad to be here and glad to be with you. Today is the 24th of May, and uh, we are still uh, closed due to the COVID-19 situation. We are, though, just let you know, planning on reopening soon, and uh, we are working on that. Uh, in fact, I think um, we're just almost ready, but it will not be in the next week or so, but uh, we are looking at some things, and, uh, and uh, so you be in prayer about that. Um, and pray that some of the things we've ordered to be able to open will get here quickly. And that's what we're waiting on right now. And, and we've got some other things set up, but I think everybody will be pleased and we're excited about that. But again, God bless you. It's good to be with you today. And I pray the Lord will bless you and uh, just take care of you and give you something good today. Now, this morning, Brother Wes is going to sing for you again today. And we're glad that he is able to do that. And so um, right here, uh, Brother West, come on, sing, and, and I'm sure you'll be blessed. There's a voice calling me from an old rugged tree, and it whispers, draw closer to me. This world far behind, there are new heights to climb, and a new place in me you will find. For whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord, that's what. I'll be willing to do For whatever it takes To be more like you That's what I'll be willing to do I'll trade sunshine for rain Comfort for pain, that's what I'll be willing to do. For whatever it takes for my will to break, that's what I'll be willing to do. Take my houses and lands, change my dreams and my plans, for I'm placing my whole life in your hands. And if you call me someday to a land far away, Lord, I'll go. And your will obey. For whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord, that's what I'll be willing to do. For whatever it takes. 
to be more like you. That's what I'll be willing to do. I'll trade sunshine for rain, comfort for pain. That's what I'll be willing to do. I'll be willing to do. That's what I'll be willing to do. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, Brother Wes, and appreciate him singing for us. And I uh, appreciate what he does around here. He does a lot of work around here and helps, uh, helps us out greatly. But we're glad you're with us again this morning and do pray that the Lord will bless you today and that you'll get much out of this hour. I want you to take your Bible this morning, if you would, and go to uh, Acts chapter 17. And then another passage I want you to look at is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Acts chapter 17 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, let me encourage you to get your Bible out and uh, look there with us, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and Acts chapter 17. We're going to read 12 verses in Acts chapter 17, and then we're going to read a verse in First Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, if you have your Bible, let me encourage you to get your Bible and open it up and follow along. If you don't have your Bible, you have an iPad, let me encourage you to download an app, a Bible app, and open that up and look at those two passages with me. If you don't have an iPad, you have a smartphone, you can get a Bible app on the smartphone, download it there, and uh, open it up. So, um, Acts 17 is where we're going to be this morning. Again, pray. We are looking at opening very soon. We will have some things to make it safe here. Somebody said, well, Brother Scott, Mr. Trump said do this and this and this. Uh, the main thing we're looking at right now is we're looking at safety. We're looking at state guidelines, city guidelines, federal guidelines. We're looking at things, other things we've been recommended. But the main thing, the main thing, overriding factor is the safety of our church family. And so that's one of the things we're looking at and how can we meet again together? Because I do believe church is essential for the child of God. And so we will be doing that. And in fact, I'm probably going to preach on that tonight. So, but anyhow, but uh, Acts 17 in your Bible, let's read. And notice what the Bible says, the word of God, Acts 17. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, the city of Thessalonica, where it was the synagogue of the Jews. Now, if you remember Paul's uh, method of witnessing was he would go into the synagogue first and share the gospel with Jews first. Verse 2, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them in three Sabbath days, reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ, or is the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. Look at verse 4, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and other devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. That means a lot. Verse 5, But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took upon them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. 
You'll notice there that this opposition came because a lot of people were believing Paul and Silas and believing the gospel and accepting the message of God. And it was because they were envious of the crowds, envious of the people that were turning to Christ. And it wasn't necessarily because of the message itself. It was out of envy. And that's what it says there. Look at verse 6. And when they, uh, excuse me, verse uh, verse 6, and when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying that these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason have received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Verse 8, you know, and by the way, that really bothers me right there because that's Jews that are supposed to believe in God, and yet they're, they're, they're aligning with, quote-unquote, Caesar instead of God. It, it, it amazes me. Look at verse 8. And they troubled the people. And, the rule, and by the way, those were unbelieving Jews. There were some Jews that had believed. These were unbelieving Jews. And they troubled the people. And the rulers of the city, when they heard these things, and when they had taken security of Jason or the others, they let them go. And the brethren, verse 10, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. Now you're going to see. Paul's in Thessalonica. Now he's going to go to Berea and preach the gospel. Look at verse, again, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went unto the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, also of the honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few, but a lot. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so what you have here in chapter 17 is when Paul first went to Thessalonica and preached the gospel. Now in 1 Thessalonians, you have the letter to the church at Thessalonica, the writing to the church at Thessalonica, and there he says how they received the word of God, not as of men, but as of it was, the word of God. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the Bible, the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray you give me the message you want me to preach. Father, I pray you'd open the windows of heaven, pour out your spirit. And Father, I just pray that you glorify yourself through me today. And Father, I pray that everything I say today would honor you. I pray that you would be glorified. And Father, bless each one who's listening today, either by Facebook or by the podcast. I pray you'd bless them. And Father, I just pray you bless our church family and bless all the others. Heal this COVID situation and take it away. Bless our leaders. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, uh, a lot of people today have questions about the Bible. They have questions about the Bible. They question whether they ought to believe it or not. After all, they say, well, Scott, there are some things in the Bible that are kind of hard to believe. And so they, they question, should I believe the Bible? Then you have those that question that say, well, Scott, why in the world should I read the Bible? Isn't that kind of an old book? And what can I really learn from the Bible? And then you have people that question say, should I follow the teachings of the Bible? Why should I do that? Why? What's the big deal about the Bible? Why should I look in that book and follow what it says? Now, maybe you've heard some people deride the Bible. Maybe you've heard some people mock the Bible and question the Bible. Or maybe you've heard somebody speak negatively about the Bible and and uh, you're wondering about what they said. Is what they said true? I know over the years there have been those that have scoffed and, and mocked the Bible and questioned it and things like that. And people, uh, you know, believe them and people listen and they say, should I believe what they say? Is what they say actually true? 
Or maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you are. You've been saved, uh, but lately you've been struggling a little bit. Lately you've been maybe just uh, having some problems lately. Maybe you've been struggling with your faith. Maybe you've been struggling with your beliefs about God, about Jesus, about the Bible, about prayer. Maybe you've been struggling about some of those things. Maybe about church and things of that nature. Maybe you've been struggling just a little bit. Or maybe you've been struggling not only with your faith or with your beliefs, but maybe you've been struggling due to some problems or issues that have come up in your life. Maybe you've been hit with some adversity and it's causing you some doubts and wondering about God and whether God actually cares and the Bible is true. And, and maybe you're doubting what you find written in the Bible. Maybe you're doubting some of these things. Well, this morning, I hope that what I say will help you today. I hope it does. I hope it helps you. Maybe you're here. To, maybe you're listening today. You're a Christian. My goal for you today is to strengthen your faith in the Bible. That's my goal. Maybe you're here today that is listening and you're unsure. You're questioning. Maybe you're unsure about whether the Bible is the Word of God. Maybe you're unsure whether the Bible is true and about following the teachings of the Bible. Hopefully today's message will give you some help. Or maybe you're listening today and you've lost. You've never been saved. You're not a Christian. Well, today I want to point you to Jesus and show you how important the Bible is and how important it is for you to be saved. Now, the question comes up right now. How should you and I respond to the Bible? How should you and I take the Bible? How should you and I see the Bible? I mean, good night. We have this Bible that's been around. It's been in, in print for years. In fact, the uh, first book that was printed. And uh, but we look at it and we say, you know, how how do we how do we how do we uh, take the Bible? How do we take it? How should we view it? Well, I want to give you three things this morning. Three quick and simple things about the Bible. Let me say three things. Number one, examine the Bible for yourself. Examine the Bible for yourself. You know, I read down there in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, talking about the people of Berea, the Bereans. And notice what it says in verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily. Notice the next line, whether those things were so. Did you catch that? Whether those things were so. I love that. I love that. I love it. Why? Because you know what they did? They examined the scriptures for themselves to find out whether it was true. Can I say something right here? And let me just say this. And I know some people will say, Brother Scott, what are you saying? How can you say that? Well, I want to be honest, but I want, I want to share this with you. What I want you to say, what I want to say is this. Just don't believe everything everyone says about the Bible. Just don't believe everyone. Just don't believe everything everybody says about the Bible. You say, why? Because there are many things being said today about the Bible. And some of them, I'm just going to tell you, have you ever heard the old expression, they're in left field? Some of the things you're hearing are in left field. Some of the things you're hearing are false. Some things are true. But there's a lot of voices out there, a lot of things being said. So what I'm telling you is just don't believe everything you hear about the Bible. Look yourself at the Bible. Examine the Bible for yourself. Take time to read it and study it and see what it says. Look in the Bible. Why? Number one, I'll give you three reasons why you ought to examine it yourself. Number one, to see if it's so. To see if it's so. Did you see that in verse 11? The last words, whether these things were what? So, whether they were so. So see it for yourself. Look for yourself to see if it's actually what it says. Then number two, because eternity rests upon it. My friends, let me explain to you. One of these days, all of us are going to die. I hate to tell you that. 
But that has been brought more and more to our attention in this COVID-19 situation. But one of these days, all of us are going to die. And guess what? It's either going to be heaven or hell. Eternity rests upon this. So you need to examine the Bible for yourself to see what it says. Just don't take somebody's word. Look into the Bible and see what it says. Why? Because your eternity rests upon it. Because one of these days you and I are going to die, then after that our soul is either going to go to God in heaven or it's going to go to hell. It's one or the other. There is nothing in between. So examine the Bible. Examine the Bible. And then number two, number three, third reason you need to examine the Bible for yourself is because the truth about God. The truth about God. There are a lot of people today making up their own ideas about God. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you there is only one authoritative source about God, and that is the Bible. Did you hear what I said? There's only one authoritative source about God, and that is the Bible. And if you want to know the truth about God, you need to get into the Bible and read what the Bible says and let the Bible tell you about God. Let the Bible tell you about God. Somebody says, well, Brother Scott, I'm going to go to a bookstore down here. Let me save you some money. You can go to a bookstore, and, and anybody knows me, knows that at home and downstairs here in the church, I have a library. I have a small library. And I have a lot of books about God and Christianity and doctrine and truth and things like that. But can I tell you, you know what the best information source about God is? It's the Bible itself right here. The Bible itself. Hey, you can go buy every book under the sun, but remember, those are written by men. Those are written by men. So go to the Bible and examine the Bible and get the truth about God from the Bible. Now, I often tell people when I preach, check me out. Check me out. I do that. Check me out. Why? Because I'm a human being. I may make a mistake in a message. And, and But check me out. Go to the Bible. If I teach the Bible, one of the things I love to do is go verse by verse in the Bible. And I love to go verse by verse and share Scripture and things like that and explain Scripture. But I tell people, look and make sure what I'm telling you is the truth. Check me out by the Bible, the Word of God. Now, let me tell you, I don't want you to check me out by another preacher. I don't want me to check me out by what the denomination says. But I want you to check me out by the Word of God because that's what matters. And so let me encourage you, examine the Bible for yourself. Why? Why do I say that again? Because there are a lot of voices out there. A lot of people saying a lot of different things. You know, people often ask me questions about the Bible. In fact, I've got a question right now I need to respond to somebody on, and I've got myself a note at home that I'm going to try to respond to them this afternoon about. But people often ask me about spiritual things or about truths in the Bible. I'll never forget one time there were these two people talking about the Bible, and I was nearby, and, and they had this discussion, and one of the people said, hey, ask him. He's a preacher. He'll tell you it's so. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. How did I get in this? And they were having this discussion about, about something. And this person was trying to use the Bible to prove their point. And so I walked over there, and, and they said, here's the thing. And, they, and the one person says, this is what I believe, and it's in the Bible. He'll tell you. And i got to be honest, I, I was trying to be kind, but guess what? It wasn't in the Bible, what they were saying. I said, well, I've never heard that before, but I'll look, but I don't, I've never heard it. And, you know, I try to be kind instead of just looking at somebody saying, you're whacked, you know. I don't want to say that, but, you know, I try to be kind. But, you know, but there are things that people believe that are not in the Bible. So examine the Bible for yourself. Look at the Bible before you believe what everybody says. When somebody says the Bible is full of errors, look in it yourself and see if it is. When somebody says that the Bible is wrong in this subject, Look in the Bible. The Bible says how to get to God. Look in the Bible and see what it says. The Bible said you got to live a certain way. Look in the Bible and see what it says. You know, somebody says if you weren't saved on a certain date, baptized by a certain person in a certain church, 
You better look in the Bible and see what it says because that's a bunch of junk. Look in the Bible. Examine the Bible for yourself. Okay, so that's number one. Number one, how should you and I respond to the Bible? Number one, examine the Bible for yourself. Number two, number two, see the Bible for what it is. See the Bible for what it is. Now think about that for a minute. You say, what do you mean, see the Bible for what it is? Well, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, and listen to what he said here. He says, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but, it as, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Did you catch that? He said, when you received the word, you didn't receive it as the word of a man or of men. You received it for what it was, the word of God. What am I saying this morning? What you and I need to do is see the Bible for what it is. My friend, this is just not another religious book. This is just not a book of ancient fables. This Bible that I'm holding, that I preach from today, is the Word of God. Now, let me tell you something. I am by nature a little bit skeptical. Skeptical of people, skeptical of what people say, skeptical of what people do. And, you know, and in fact, I tell people sometimes it is amazing that God called me to preach as skeptical as I am. But can I tell you something? When it, and, and by the way, that's how come I do some of the studying I do. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I have a problem when it comes to studying. You say, what do you mean by that? When I study for messages and do verse by verse teaching and things like that, sometimes people laugh at me at the number of notes I have because I will study and see, look up word meanings and different things like that. But can I tell you something? I am so skeptical it hurts me in studying because I'll look at this book and it says this, and I'll say, well, is that really right? Then I'll look at this book and it says this, and I'll look at this book. By the time it's over with, I've looked at 11 or 12 different resources. I mean, that's how skeptical I am. But let me explain. When it comes to the Bible, I'm not skeptical at all. Why? Because I believe with all my heart that the Bible is the Word of God. And, And that is amazing for me. That is amazing for me. I believe exactly what the Bible says. I believe it. And so what I'm saying here is see the Bible for what it is. The Bible is the Word of God. Now, what do you think what I'm saying here? Think about what I'm saying. When we call the Bible the Word of God, what do we mean by that? What do we mean when we say the Bible is the Word of God? What we mean by that is this. First, what we mean is we actually believe that the words in this book are the words of God. Okay, did you catch that? The words in this book are the words of God. Now, let me explain. I use the King James Version, okay? And that's what I'm preaching from you from. So, I believe, now hang on to what I'm saying. Don't get mad. Don't call me a heretic until you hear what I say. I believe every word in this book is God's word. There is one exception to that. You say, oh, there's you. Whoa, wait a minute, brother Scott, what are you saying? You have an exception? Yes. It's an honest one. And if you're honest, you'll believe it too. You say, what is that? The italicized words. You say, what? In the King James Version of the Bible, the King James, what they did, you'll see certain words are in italics here. Certain words are in italics. In fact, if you look at verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, Did you catch that? The word it and as are in italics right there. Now you say, yes, they are. They're in italics. They're not in regular type. You know what that means? The translators inserted them. And they did it to help 
it flow better. They did it to help with understanding. And so what I'm trying to get you to understand, I believe it's all the Word of God except those translator inserts. And the translators were honest enough. And by the way, there are some people that will tell you the translator inserts are the Word of God too. I don't believe that. If the translators were honest enough to tell you we put them in, you and I ought to be honest enough to believe that, right? Yes. Okay, you can shake your head yes at home. Wherever you're listening, you can shake your head yes. But somebody's going to say, well, you're just a heretic. Fine, believe what you want to believe. But I'm trying to be faithful to the Bible, the Word of God, okay? But I actually believe that the words in this book are the words of God. Secondly, the message in this book is the message of God. That's what we mean. When we say this is the Word of God, this is God's Word. This is God's Word. Now, somebody's going to say, but Brother Scott, the Bible was written by men. It was written by men. Yes, it was. And in verse 13 again, 1 Thessalonians 2, it says, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Now think about that for a minute. The word of men versus the word of God. It was written by men. But I want you to understand this. God used men to write. He used men to write the Bible. He did. God didn't grab a pen and write it himself. He used people to write the Bible. And according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, what we understand there is that the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit of God moved on people in such a way that what they gave forth or what they wrote is the Word of God. And that's the teaching of the Bible. That what they wrote is the Word of God. Did you catch that? So God used people to write His Word. It's kind of like years ago, I used to have a secretary, and I'd, I'd kind of write a little letter, and, and, uh, and at, at the bottom of the page, some of you may be old enough to remember this, but at the bottom of the page, after you'd sign it, you'd see the little notes. Uh, you'd see a, uh, some little marks at the bottom of the page. You'd see my initials, and then you'd see the secretary's initials. You know what that meant? I was the, I was the author, but she actually typed it up for me. See, what you and I need to understand, God is the author. Men were the writers that wrote it down or typed it up for him. If you want to look at it like that. You know, they didn't type back then. They wrote. But what you and I need to understand is that God is the writer. God, or excuse me, God is the author. Men were the writers. You know what we call that? We call that inspiration. Inspiration means God breathed. Now, it's according to 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration, or God-breed comes from God. So all of it is the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation. 66 books is from God. It is the Word of God. Now, somebody's going to ask me, Brother Scott, how can you really believe the Bible is the Word of God? Brother Scott, you've got a college degree. Yes, I do. I've got so many hours toward a master's degree. I've got extra classes on this, that, and yonder, you know? And uh, Brother Scott, how in the world? Can you still believe the Bible is the Word of God? You know, I, I thought about that. And, you know, as I said last week when I preached on the subject, God is real. I can't give you all the technical information, but I can give you some things why I believe the Word of God is real, why I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Number one, it claims to be. It claims to be. And I know others who claim to what they say is the Word of God. In fact, a few years ago, I got something in the mail from somebody. I don't even remember where it's from. I think I remember the city, but I'm not going to say it just in case. But I got something from somebody, and they said, I want you to know God gave me a revelation, and this is the Word of God for today. And I started reading it, and I'm like, threw it in the trash. Why? I'm sorry. It doesn't match to the claims of the Bible. It didn't match to the claims of the Bible, you know? And it didn't do that. The Bible has other things to show that it is true, that it is real. But it claims to be the Bible. It claims to be the Word of God. I put down number two, endurance. It's, la it's, it, it's, 
the test of time. It is past the test of time. It endures when everything else goes away. What about number three? I put down its positive impact. It's positive impact. It's impact on society. It's impact on people. It's impact on art. It's impact on the on music and on literature and things like that. What about the positive impact and influence the Bible has had? Now, I will be honest, some have used the Bible for bad. I have heard that for years. Oh, yeah, but you know, people have used the Bible to do this, this, and this, and this. Yes, some have. I'll be honest, some have used the Bible for bad. But you know what? Some people use politics for bad. That has nothing to do with the Bible sometimes. Huh? Some people use politics for bad. Some people use tragedy for bad, do they not? I mean, we're in the COVID situation right now. You tell me people haven't used this to try to get one over on people. They have. They have. There have been people that have tried to hoard stuff and sell an exuberant price and take advantage of people. There are politicians right now that said, oh, we're going to use this situation to do what we want to do. Yeah, they're using it for bad. So don't give me the arguments some have used the Bible because if you look around, guess what? Others have used other things too. And yes, you can use anything for bad. I can use a newspaper article for bad. I can use an online article for bad. I mean, think about it for a minute. But think about the positive impact of the Bible, the influences that. You know, one of the things I think about at Christmas time is thank God for the Bible because we got Handel's Messiah, right? You know that. For unto us a child is given, unto us. I think I just slaughtered it, did I not? And uh, people that are listening to me in here today, you know, our, our, our team that puts this, that's running the sound, everything's just laughing at me right now. So, but anyhow, but I mean, think about it, the positive impact I put down. I put down a fourth thing, the accuracy of the Bible, historical accuracy, archaeology. I know somebody says, well, bro, Scott, the Bible talks about this and this and this. We, we don't see any uh, record of that. Give it time. Give it time. For years, people said this didn't exist, this didn't exist, and they uncover something in the, in the, uh, in, uh, in the Middle East, and guess what? The Bible was true, you know? The accuracy, accuracy of the Bible. You know, I, I put down fulfilled prophecy. The Bible, hundreds of years, makes prophecies about things, and then it comes to pass hundreds of years later. Fulfilled prophecy. But you know the thing that really stands out to me when it comes to why I believe the Bible is the Word of God? The more I deal with people, the more I have to deal with people, and notice I said have to, and I'm not talking about just church. I'm talking about, you know, I work another job and things like that and people in society. But the more I look at people, this one is the number one reason I believe the Bible is the Word of God, the continuity of Scripture. You say, what do you mean by that? God used 40 different people over a 15 to 1,600-year period of time, and they all agree. <laughs> Think about that. You can't get 40 or 60 people in a, 40 or 50 people in a room to agree on something. You know, you can't do that, right? I mean, everybody has different tastes and things like that, but you have this book miraculously put together over a 1,500-year period 1,600 years, somewhere in there, over 40, 40 plus people possibly, and they all are in basic agreement. Folks, that is miraculous. I believe the Bible to be the Word of God. Why do I believe the Bible to be the Word of God? There's, these are some reasons. You say, oh, brother Scott, that's not good enough for me. Then why don't you do this? Why don't you open the book of John and you read it and ask God to reveal to your heart Read the book of John and ask God to reveal to your heart. So what am I saying? Secondly, see the Bible for what it is. Number one, examine the Bible for yourself. 
Number two, see the Bible for what it is, the Word of God. Number three, accept the message of the Bible. Accept the message of the Bible. You say, what do you mean by that? What do I mean? Second, I mean, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 again, he said this, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because that when you received the Word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the Word of men, but, it, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I understand there you have two words received. And you have received, the first received, then the second received. Two words, same word. But I understand in Greek they're a little bit different. And again, I'm not a Greek scholar. I understand that second receive has the idea to hear with your ears. In other words, you're taking it in. You're welcoming it into your heart. You're embracing it as your own. You know what we see here? These Thessalonian believers, these Berean believers also, but here specifically the Thessalonian believers, they accepted the message of God. They accepted the message of these men, the truth of the Word of God as it is the Word of God. They accepted it willingly. They accepted it as true. And they accepted it fully. And they accepted it in their heart. They believed it. And that's what you and I need to do. We need to accept the message of the Bible as true and receive it into our lives. Why? Because the Bible will give you three things. Number one, the Bible will give you the truth about God. I've already alluded to that. You want to know about God? You want to know who God is? You read the Bible. The Bible will give you the truth about God. Thank God for that. Number two, the Bible will give you the way of salvation. The Bible will give you the way of salvation. You want to get to God? You want to get to heaven one of these days? You're going to have to find the way in the Bible. See, the Bible will tell you about salvation. The Bible will also tell you why you and I need to be saved. Why we need to make Jesus our Savior. The Bible will tell you that. And that's because all of us are sinners and that sin separates us from God. And because of that, we are under condemnation because God is holy. Yes, He's love, but He's also holy and His holiness demands that sin be punished. But the love side of God says, I love mankind so much, I'm going to provide a way for them to miss that punishment. And that's why Jesus came into the world. That's why He came, was born of Mary, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, died as your substitute to take your penalty and mine, was buried, rose again so that you and I could have eternal life and go to meet God, have a relationship with Him, and go to heaven one of these days. That's why the Bible will tell you about the way of salvation, and it'll tell you how to be saved by faith in Jesus, by repenting of your sin and putting your faith in Jesus, believing in who He is. That's the way of salvation, my friend. And then number three, the Bible would give you how to live the Christian life. Child, Christian, you want to know how to live the Christian life? Get into the Bible. It'll tell you how to live a holy life, and it'll tell you how to live, live a life pleasing to God. You know, one of the things I hear all the time, well, Brother Scott, I really can't understand the Bible that well. I can't understand it. Well, let me give you. I've given this before. There are four ways to understand the Bible. Four things. Number one, you need to be saved. First Thessalonians, First uh, Corinthians, chapter two states the natural man, the unbelieving man, can't understand the things of God. You want to understand the Bible. The first step is you need to be saved. You need to be born again. Number two, you want to understand the Bible. Understand that you have the Holy Spirit living within you. The Holy Spirit. The day you got saved, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. He is there to help you to help you understand the truths of God, to understand the Scriptures. He's there to help you. Why don't you just pray and say? Lord, open my eyes and I may see wondrous things out of thy law. Out of your word, Lord. That's what the psalmist prayed. 
and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you the Bible. Read it. Let the Holy Spirit teach you the Bible, the Word of God. Go to the easy books of the New Testament. Don't start in the hard books. And then number three, study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study the Bible. And then number four, do the will of God. Whoever does the will of God will know the doctrine, he says. Do the will of God. My friends, what am I saying? When it comes to the Bible, let me encourage you. Examine the Bible for yourself. Look at the Bible for yourself. See what it says. Don't just take everybody's word for it. Examine the Bible for yourself. Then number two, see what the Bible, see the Bible for what it is. So number one, examine the Bible for yourself. Number two, see the Bible for what it is. The Word of God. It is the Word of God. Then number three, accept the message of the Bible. Accept the Bible that it is true, that this is the message of God, that you and I need to follow it and study it and heed it. I read a story about a young lady that got engaged and then got married. This young lady who got engaged and got married, she had a wealthy uncle, wealthy uncle who looked at her like a daughter, loved her dearly, took care of her, provided for her. Well, when it came time for her to get married, the wealthy uncle gave her a gift. She was so excited. She couldn't wait to open the gift. She opened it up. And when she opened the gift up, it was a Bible. A Bible. And she thought, just a Bible from you? She didn't say it to him, but... She was kind of disappointed in her heart. And she's like, a Bible, okay. So she just kind of laid it to the side. She got married, went on her, she, had, she got married, went on her honeymoon, got back. I guess they were setting up house. And, you know, afterwards, you know, after you get all the wedding gifts, you got to put them up in the house and things like that. And anyhow, she saw the Bible. And she thought, hmm. And she looked at the Bible and she said, well, let me open it up and read it a little bit. She sat down and opened it up. And to her surprise, when she opened it up, she got shocked. Inside the Bible was a check from that uncle for $25,000 to help her and her new spouse start their life. You know what happened? She found treasure in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying if you open your Bible, you're going to find a check for $25,000. But what I'm saying is, is you'll find something that is far more precious if you open the Bible and look at it and examine it for yourself. You'll find something far more precious. The, old po the poet said from the old poem, though its cover is worn and its pages are torn and the places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book worn and old that can shatter and tatter our fears. My friend, let me encourage you. Examine the Bible for yourself. See the Bible for what it is, the Word of God, and then accept the message of the Bible. Let's pray. Would you bow your head with me right there where you're at or examine your heart? My friend, are you saved? Can you say, yes, bro, Scott, I am saved, but if not, would you like to be? You can if you're willing to admit your sin. If you're willing to Say, yes, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. I cannot save myself. And Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died on the cross for me and that you were buried and rose again. And if you're willing to pray a simple prayer saying, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I believe in who you are. Save me. You know what he'll do? He'll save you. 
If it comes from your heart, He will. Child of God, maybe you have been saved. Are you having some doubts? Why don't you pray and ask the Lord to help you? And then open your Bible and get into it. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness. I pray you challenge our hearts. And Father, bless each one who's listened, each one who's viewed the video. Take care of them, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.